John Golia. I'm Greg Fife. And I'm Todd Curtis. And we are the Flight Safety Detectives. Between us, we have over a century of aviation accident investigation and safety experience to draw on as we discuss issues that affect all of us. So we are qualified to share our perspectives on accidents and incidents and what can be learned from them for the future. We're proud to say that we have two sponsors that really relate to the topic of aviation safety. The Professional Aviation Maintenance Association, or PAMA, and Avemco Insurance. Later on in the show, we'll tell you how you can get a 5% discount on your insurance just for listening to the show. We don't just dissect the official reports. In every episode, we identify safety issues and take the mystery out of accident investigations. So maybe pilots in their planes can have safer flights ahead. Well, hello, gentlemen. It is another episode of Flight Safety Detectives. And as you can tell, I'm in my undisclosed location because I have a virtual background hiding the real places that I've been. Um, I'm um, probably going to be traveling again. I plan on being with you guys, but I got to go to some real tough places like Turks and Caicos and other places like that to do some serious accident investigation. But uh, it's always a, a pleasure to be with you guys. And I know that we have an interesting accident to talk about um, this week. Actually, um, one of the things that I uh, I really appreciate is all the work that uh, Todd does in digging up some of the the little mundane facts that as we look at it, it's like, well, so what's so big about that particular fact? Well, in the grand scheme of things, as investigators, it is the smallest of factual information that usually uh, either forms the basis of a probable cause or at least identifies the beginning of a sequence of events. So with that being said, um, why don't you roll us into the accident we're going to talk about this week? Uh, Todd, with a Cessna 441 Conquest. Well, this was an event that happened in Australia. Our uh, uh, good friends at the Australian Transport Safety Bureau uh, had a report on a non-fatal event that didn't cause uh, serious damage and not the kind of thing you would usually see the NTSB do, but they did do a very thorough job. And it allows us to get some insights as to the kinds of small, apparently small things that can lead to big problems. And in short, what you had was uh, a twin-engine aircraft, one of the aircraft had a pair of lines. One of them was a oil-air separator uh, vent line, and the other was the oil-air cooler return line, had been switched. They were adjacent to one another. They were easily uh, transposed, and they were. There was a high oil temperature reading in flight. It was diverted. They did repairs on the aircraft, released it back to service. A few days later, you had another problem with the uh, uh, aircraft. And turns out there was other damage to the engine that was caused by that transposed line. The damage wasn't obvious at the time they fixed the uh, first problem. And it led to a second problem, which fortunately didn't lead to uh, a serious accident. But this is uh, very illustrative of the fact that 
you can have something go wrong and fixed, but it doesn't mean the problem's over because there are other things that could be affected by that one system that went wrong during that particular flight. You know, returning aircraft to service after you've done work that's unscheduled like this uh, can often be problematic because the, the manual doesn't really address uh, a mistake like this. It usually just addresses replacing a given part and then just checking out. So the, the checkout oftentimes can be very limited. And that's this is a perfect case for that, where the, the, the return to service checking it out was operated, you know, operate the engine, see if it's working all right. And okay, it's good. We found the problem. We taken care of it and move on. But as a result of this problem, it induced an additional problem. Now, is this something, is the problem that was found, um, was it because the airplane was on a flight, which changes some of the operating characteristics rather than just a ground run? Or was it uh, based on over a period of time that it manifested itself, how how did the uh, the problem then become evident to uh, to lead to the event? Well, the first problem was happened in flight. There's no indication or nothing in the report that said that there were uh, things going on over time uh, before the first event. The second problem happened because when they had transposed the line, you had damage to the air oil separator, and for whatever reason. That particular uh, piece of the engine, that particular system wasn't checked, and they specifically said wasn't checked out by an independent uh, uh, maintenance professional to see whether or not there was any problems with the, with the lines that were transposed or with the rest of the system. Also, this was something where after the first problem had manifested itself, there were several uh, professionals, maintenance professionals who had worked on the system. And there was no real way for them after the fact to figure out exactly who did what where and exactly what kind of, of specific uh, tasks were performed. And so this is a situation where reading between the lines, there was an oversight of the problems that could have been caused by this oversight that might have been caused in part by the specific or the lack of specificity in the instructions and the lack of having someone who is uh, not connected with the original problem looking at this. So would a maintenance test flight have caught this? The no. uh, the report does not mention a maintenance test flight being done on this afterwards or a requirement for that as one of the things they required after this was done. Actually, I think what happened was after, after the lines were put on improperly that uh, it actually induced the failure of the uh, oil pump. And it wasn't so much a total failure because it was uh, putting out pressure, but it was inadequate. Mm. All right, so it's it's one of those things where uh, the you the lines were crossed. It caused a failure internally to the air oil separator. Now that in turn, when you put it back in the service with the lines crossed, led to a, a very steep increase in the oil pressure, which destroyed the pump or uh, cracked it crack the housing actually, right? So it hasn't failed, but it just means a lot of the oil is now not getting into the system, but it's circulating around the oil pump and dumped back into the oil reservoir. So it's, you've reduced the flow and reduced the pressure. And now you're going to induce an additional engine problem in. So it was a, it was a 
a smudge. If does, you will. Uh, does the report talk about what uh, what led to those lines getting crossed? Was it a mechanic that had never done the, the procedure before? Did they misread it, misunderstand it? Um, are those lines identical and it's easy <laughs> easy to confuse them? Is one painted blue and the other one painted red? I mean, what what led to those lines being transposed? Well, well the, the lines actually, and they have a photo in the report, the lines actually do physically look different from, from one another. They're of a similar, not exact size, and they're adjacent to one another. And uh, one of them has basically metal uh, pipe, and the other has a, a red, what looks like an insulator on it. So if you were very, very, very familiar with this, it's like, oh, the red one should go on the on the uh, top, not the bottom type of thing. But what was even the other thing that was insidious about this was that this was not a problem that immediately led to an issue where they noticed something was wrong. There were actually six to eight hours of operation between the time the two lines were transposed to the time that the second problem manifested itself. They didn't specify how many flights this was, but given that uh, this conquest probably didn't do 10-hour flights at a time, presumably there might have been more than a couple of handfuls of flights for something to be noticed. Yet nothing was noticed until quite some time after the incorrect repair. Well, you could see that because, it, you know, it uh, it cracked up pump housing. And again, it just makes oils not going to circulate properly. So it's one of those uh, latent failures, but it's not a total failure. So no. it's going to go on until it manifests itself uh, Fortunately, it wasn't severe, um, but these these types of things could be severe. Um, you know, I've been around a long time, as you guys all know, and uh, you know, back in my flying days with Oval, <laughs> which I thought I would get in now before Greg got it in. Yeah, I, I was getting close, John. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've had cross lines from way back. In fact, when I was a brand new mechanic, and I'm talking about really brand new. Uh, somebody else in the in the place where I work crossed the lines. So it's been common. I've seen it many, many, many times. And uh, if you have a good SMS program or maintenance uh, resource management program, like we did at US Air, these kinds of things would come up to the committee and change. Uh, I remember one we had uh, oil caps that were being left off all the time. And uh, we found out that you could actually Turn them, latch them, and they looked like they were closed, but they didn't because the seal around them had swollen enough that it would give resistance around the, the edge, and you could do everything and make it look like it's functioning, including mm -hmm. tugging on it, and it wouldn't come out. But then as soon as it took off, it popped off with the with the buildup of pressure inside there, and it would dump a bunch of oil, and the airplane would come back. So we, we re redesigned a little tab on the cap to allow you to get some leverage on it to pull on it to make sure it was secured. Uh, and that all came out of maintenance human factors. So there are there are uh, individual safeguard systems within an airline if they choose to use them. And it's all part of SMS that everybody's supposed to have here pretty soon. And most of the rest of the world has it already, but it's coming across the board in aviation. And uh, it, we need it badly. We need are there it. any recommendations? I'm sorry. Were there any recommendations that uh, that came out of this particular event? That Nothing were meaningful. Nothing meaningful. There is a recommendation. Todd, you want to read it? 
Sure, there was a safety actions by the uh, operator included commencing a fleet-wide program to apply markings to the oil tanks, uh, conducting uh, toolbox talks with the engineering staff, no details on what those talks should be, and expanding the uh, maintenance logging entry requirements for the engines and for the manufacturer, uh, the engine manufacturer, uh, reissuing a service uh, information letter about the potential transposition of those two lines. Now, when they say this, they also said earlier in the report that the manufacturer had indeed put markings on those lines um, stating which way they should go. But one of the problems is over time, the markings had wear off because of wear and tear. And at the time of this event, those markings weren't visible. So this is an aircraft that's been around for a while. This is a manufacturer that's been around for a while. This is a, a problem apparently that was recognized a long time ago. Yet for whatever combination of reasons, you ended up with a situation where the warning systems that were in place to keep this from happening weren't there anymore. And the result is, one of the recommendations is, different systems should be put into place to keep this from happening. Hmm. Were those hoses the exact same length? A lot of times where you have something that attaches to the top and to the bottom, you have two different lengths of hose. So if you do transpose them, <laughs> one's supposed to be on the bottom, it won't stretch enough to go to the top. The report did mention that there's a, of a similar length could easily be transposed. So it wasn't one of these things where you had to, uh, you know, twist and turn to make it happen. And as the photograph in the, in the report shows, and I'll have that on the screen for the video version of this, it looks like a normal placement. It doesn't look like anything is out of the ordinary when these two hoses were transposed. You know, if you didn't, if you weren't the one doing the work, especially the one doing the work, you would probably never notice it. Hmm. And and it's, if there was a substantial, you know, if it was a, a a day, if you took it apart today and didn't put it back tomorrow, that's also another point of uh, possible disconnect when you go to re reassemble it. What was the total resulted damage from just this maintenance error? It was engine damage. Sorry, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't severe. Which, they don't have a cost estimate in here. I was but just I'm, curious did did it uh, did it destroy or severely hamper you know not only the engine operation did they have to replace the entire engine or only a portion of the engine? Um, did that that problem trash the engine? No, uh, I think the engine, if I remember right, the engine went was pulled and went to a shop visit. So it, you know, uh, routinely you call those. Uh, premature removals, uh, hospital right. visits. It's a hospital visit for the engine. So you bring it in, take it apart, and only fix what's broken. You're not doing an overhaul again. Uh, so it's it's expensive, but not as expensive as doing an overhaul. Well, good. Well, they mentioned specifically in here that when it went to the uh, overhaul facility, they suggested the uh, reduction gearbox scavenge pump might be unserviceable. And... Uh, Basically, that was a uh, part of the replacement. Well, I think this is a, a great accident that just demonstrates that it's the <laughs> it's it's not always big things that cause major problems. It's the little things. And again, it's all about operational discipline, except this time now it's on the hangar floor, making sure that you understand the procedure, what you need to do to accomplish the procedure and do it right. And then is there a process that needs to be followed that or at least an inspection i mean wasn't there an inspector that came in behind 
the the guy who did the mechanic to say, yep, that's done right or done wrong? No, because it was a field repair. Mm. No, no, it wasn't. I'm thankful that the ATSB at least went this far with the report because normally the NTSB would just say, oh, it was a problem in the, in the maintenance facility and leave it at that. So at least we have some of the detail in this one. But, you know, I, I've said it on this show more than once that I wish they would stop uh, ending the investigations at the hangar doors and actually go into the hangar like they go into the cockpit and talk to the people who did the work, find out how many hours they were working, find out what were the other pieces of the puzzle that led to them making a mistake. You know, uh, many, many, many years ago, Jerome Letterer, who's considered the father of, of aviation safety, he, he used to say regularly that it's not the mechanic that made the mistake, it's what's impacted on the mechanic that, that, that facilitated him making the mistake. Yeah. And that's not 100% true, but it's far too true today that I'd like to eliminate all those outside pressures and that caused the mistakes. So then we can start dealing with what the individual mistakes are. Yeah. Well, I think this was a good uh, maintenance accident to, to highlight the little things. And you can't overlook the little things. You can't take things for granted. And especially as a pilot or aircraft owner, um, you put a lot of tacit trust into the person turning the wrench. Um, and while, yeah, this pilot couldn't go out, do a pre-flight and go, yep, you got those all screwed up. You got to change them. Um, the thing about something like this is at least learning the lessons. And that is how easy these little things can come back to haunt you and bite you. Fortunately, in this case, it wasn't catastrophic. And, um, and I think that, uh, Again, there's always a recommendation that can be made out of every single event. And, and that's where, I mean, that's where we all make our money, if you will. And that is, it's one thing to go out and kick tin and, and identify, you know, fault and, and probable cause and, and the failures, the deficiencies, or whatever you want to call them. But if you don't have something positive that comes out of it, other than, you know, slap on the wrist or, you know, make sure you don't do this or make sure you read that procedure. I mean, there's got to be something substantive that impacts um, the industry so that it's these little things that don't come back to haunt us. There's an awful lot of them. You know, and, and with SMS and Jim Reason's uh, Swiss cheese model and the uh, iceberg model, where if you investigate all these type of incidents, you don't get the accident. Yes. Yeah. This could have turned into an accident, right? It's, fortunately, it didn't develop to that, but it certainly could have. And, uh, you know, we need to pay more attention to them across the board. Well said. Well, I will uh, roll it up and uh, turn the second to the last word over to you, Todd, before we light up our patriarch to shut yeah. us down. Well, this report by the Australian uh, authorities is an example of why it's important, if you're interested in this business, to look abroad uh, from the United States. Because literally, I don't think this would have met the criteria for being investigated by the NTSB because there was no serious damage to the aircraft, no serious injuries or deaths. So this would have been under the NTSB's radar. The FAA would likely have, if they did any research or any report at all, would, would have been uh, you know, minuscule at best. 
So there are several authorities, the British, the AIB, the Australians, the ATSB, and the Canadian TSB, who do their reports uh, in the English language and aviation English. So it's still going to be difficult to read for an outsider, but still. There are some things that Australia does that the U.S. doesn't do. There are some things that Britain tends to do that Australia and the U.S. doesn't do, etc. So if you see something of interest overseas, check and see if there's a report on it. Check and see if there's some detailed investigation of it. Because, hey, you never know where you'll learn something. Oh, true. And with that, John, I will leave you with our last words. Okay, folks, again, I will be the preacher. If you're going to go flying, pre-planning starts before you get to the airport. The weather, checking the weather starts before you get to the airport. Do it from your hotel room. Do it from your, your apartment. Do it from wherever. And then when you get to the airport, do it all over again just to make sure you haven't missed anything and nothing has changed. When you go out to your airplane, do a good pre-flight look at everything. And if you fly in the same airplane all the time and you really pay attention, you would be able to identify uh, things that are out of place, including you might have been able to identify these lines had you been someone who flew this airplane regularly. Uh, that's an assumption on my part, a little speculation, but, uh, you know, it does happen. People do. Pilots, I've been around long enough to have pilots come out and say, you know, we got a problem here, and it was a maintenance mistake that was made. So you pay attention. We are our brother's keeper. Mechanics are supposed to make sure that the pilots get a good airplane. But if the air pilots identify an airplane that's got a problem that was caused by maintenance, they need to make sure maintenance knows about that problem. And not just to go yell and scream at them, but just so that they can profit from it or better themselves for it. And after you get in the airplane and start flying, put that head of yours on a swivel. As we still have a lot of people out there in the crowded skies, and we have people, students and others making mistakes every day. So put the head on the swivel so we can avoid having near misses and mid-air collisions. And please, please fly safely. Thank you for checking out our show. We really value our listeners and subscribers. Our podcast gets ranked by you and how much you like it. So please give us five stars in your podcast platform. We want to keep in contact with you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. You can email the show at flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com. By the way, if you're on YouTube, we're really working on growing the channel, and it helps if you all send in comments. Please do that. And we read all the comments. And be sure to subscribe. Remember, if you're in the market for aviation insurance, you can save 5% with Avemco just by mentioning our show. Visit them at www.avemco.com. That's it for this episode of the Flight Safety Detective. Until the next episode, fly safe.